Happy New Year and welcome back to the Moms That Lead podcast. Are you overloaded yet with advice about how to actually set goals that you'll stick with this year? I know I'm seeing it in podcasts and different news articles, and I'm kind of approaching the point where I feel overloaded. And it has me thinking, maybe it's time for a new approach. If you listened to the last two episodes, you know how important I think it is to define your purpose before you arbitrarily set personal leadership goals for the year. But in addition to that, I also think that it's important to explore the character trait that you will need to be successful with your goals. Perseverance. And boy, do we have a story of perseverance to share with you today. I got the chance to talk with Melanie, a working mom to teenage boys, who journeyed to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, all in an effort to empower other women. It was not an easy journey. In this episode, you'll hear about the many roadblocks she faced and the lessons she learned that you can apply to the mountains, whether they be figurative or literal, that you want to climb this year. So if you're committed to being successful and focusing on what really matters this year, or if you just like a good adventure story, Enjoy my conversation with Melanie. But first, a brief intro in case you're new here, or if you need a refresher about Moms That Lead after our brief holiday break. Hey, are you ready to jump off the hamster wheel and finally listen to that voice inside that says you were meant for more? Are you ready to replace overwhelm with calm and clarity, self-doubt with confidence, and mom guilt with connection? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Moms That Lead podcast, where we know that moms have a unique ability to be world changers, and that leadership is not about position. But instead, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are a leader. I'm Terry Schmidt, your host and leadership mentor, determined to bring you the inspiration, motivation, and practical tips to help you live your best life. I'm a corporate leader and coach turned nonprofit founder. My family's journey to completing an Ironman triathlon changed my life forever, and I want to be your friend on the journey to gain the clarity, confidence, and connection that I gained from that experience. So if you're ready to ditch mom guilt and activate your strengths, let's jump in. Welcome, Melanie, to the Moms That Lead podcast. It's great to have you on today, and I gave our audience a little bit of an intro to you, but I would love to hear it from your perspective, just a little bit about your journey to where you are today and how you're currently leading at work and in the community. Hey, thanks, Terry. I appreciate being here. I am so happy and excited. Just to tell you a little bit about me and my background, I'm married to my husband, Dan. We have two kids, Michael and William. They're 17 and 19. And, you know, I, I was, I guess, a little older when I had my kids. I was 34 when I when I had, had my first. And so, you know, I'm in my mid-50s now. And, uh, you know, just doing things and being active and trying to be a good role model to my kids and to other people in my community is what I really enjoy doing. I currently work at Curves. It's a fitness facility for women. I've been there for about three years now. And then many years ago, when my kids were very young and babies, I actually taught water aerobics for a little while. And I really enjoyed that. And so after my kids got through preschool and 
junior high and high school and all that, I decided to go back to the fitness industry. And that's what I love to do. I enjoy it. Oh, that's great. And I'm guessing that being involved in curves really gives you a lot of opportunities to lead other women, to encourage other women. Absolutely. That's, that's one of my top hobbies. You know, I love, I love nature photography. I love hiking. I love walking and I love leading and empowering others. And I try to do that, you know, in my daily life where, wherever I am, even at the grocery store. That's excellent. I know when we were talking, what I was just fascinated about was the fact that you actually climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you even became interested in taking that journey. Sure. Yeah. Kilimanjaro started probably about 30 years ago. It was, you know, the, I saw a television program. There was this middle-aged woman who was on a TV documentary and she was hiking up Mount Kilimanjaro kind of huffing and puffing a little bit. And, and she says, you know what, even though it's a little bit of a, of an effort to get to the mountain and to do it, really anybody can do it. And that stuck with me. And I researched a little bit and Kilimanjaro is over in Africa and it's a bit of a hike to get over there. And so it, it takes some effort just even getting to the mountain. So over the course of 30 years, you know, I had a couple of times where it's like, oh, I really want to go do this. How am I going to do it? And, you know, I backed out for one reason or another, whether it be financial or physical or just the, you know, the voice in your head says, what do you want to do that for? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and so eventually, finally, I took a, a leadership program. And part of that leadership program was to create a community project. And I wanted to do something around empowering women. And from that Kilimanjaro popped up in my head again. And it's like, Oh, mm. how do I take Kilimanjaro and make it into a leadership, like tie it into this leadership program? and make it about empowering women. And so that's where what's my mountain or what's your mountain comes in and my whole Kilimanjaro project. Well, that's, that's so neat that that was such a, a long journey, you know, starting 30 years ago and then just finding this opportunity recently as part of that leadership program to re- revisit that dream and, and really make it a reality. I think experiences like this can teach us so much about leadership. I know personally, you know, my journey to Ironman Texas a few years ago was what really solidified a lot of the leadership lessons I was learning and taught me a lot about myself and a lot about others also. So I'm imagining that you learned a lot um, leading up to your journey to Mount Kilimanjaro and then also on the journey itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some of the biggest things that I learned, I think would be roadblocks, like things that stand in your way. And a lot of times it's, you know, there's, how do I describe it? There's, you know, there's different pathways up the mountain or to the mountain. And that's, that's literal. And it's, you know, hypothetical, I guess, right? So to get to Kilimanjaro, you know, you buy a plane ticket and you hire a guide and you go to Kilimanjaro and you go up the mountain, you reach the summit, you turn around and you come down and you're done. Well, for some people, you know, they have many thousands of extra dollars 
and they can just go and do that as a little holiday. But for me, going on my own, you know, I asked for several years and even just the several months leading up to the trip, you know, said, who wants to come to Kilimanjaro? Said, do you want to come on a trip? And, you know, a lot... It was surprising to me that not everybody wants to go and climb a mountain. And, uh, <laughs> and so I had some people at the very beginning saying, yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds, you know, really exciting. I'd be interested in doing that. And at that time, it was probably a year and a half away from the actual event. And, you know, as the date got closer, people dropped out. And then mm. I had this one lady who was, very interested. She put down a a little bit of a deposit and and solidified her going. And then she was bringing a couple of friends with her who also put down their deposits. And then about six weeks before the trip came, they all three of them backed out. And it's like, Oh, no, no, here we are about six weeks before the trip. And it's supposed to be a women's empowerment trip. And here I am. Nobody's coming with me. So you know, what do I do? Right. What went through your mind at that point? I can only imagine. You know, a few things went into my mind, but the biggest thing was, I guess the importance of the trip, like it's still Mm. over that year and a half, I had been talking to different women about the trip. And if they weren't interested in going to Kilimanjaro, I always pose the question, what's your mountain or what's, you know, what's your big dream or what's your big goal Mm -hmm. or what's the, you know, the thing that, you know, you've always wanted to do or try. And so in that regard, you know, what's your mountain or the Kilimanjaro project, you know, was already a success because I was already spreading that word and already Mm -hmm. asking those questions. And, and, you know, I was engaging and talking and speaking to people. And so in that regard, it was already a success. So whether I went or not, you know, it didn't really matter, I guess, because I still Mm -hmm. could continue that project like that. But I decided it's like, you know what, it's been 30 years it's time for me to go. My kids are older now. I can leave them at home. They can find food on their own if they need to. One of them has a driver's license. They can go to the store and get groceries if they have to. Mm-hmm. I can do this, you know? And so, yeah, so I just, I made the decision. It's like, okay, I guess I'm going on my own. And, you know, the rest is history. It was a fabulous trip. I really enjoyed myself. Even when they lost my luggage on the way to the airport. So, oh my gosh, <laughs> tell us about that. Sure. So, when I arrived at Kilimanjaro Airport, my backpack and my hiking boots were missing. And so, I found out when, when they switched from a big plane in Kenya to a small plane to take you to Kilimanjaro Airport. They don't always put all the luggage on the plane. They leave some stuff oh. behind. So, <laughs> so I, I arrived in Kilimanjaro on, on, let's say, a Wednesday, but I was scheduled to be at the gate at Kilimanjaro Mountain, right, at the park gate at 8 a.m. the next morning. So mm. my guide, I told my guide what was happening, and he was fabulous. He communicated with the airport, and he even got up at – 
you know, midnight to make phone calls to see if, you know, my luggage had arrived. And we ended up meeting the luggage people from the airport at a kind of a roadside stop. And I got my bag there en route to the gate at Kilimanjaro. So I actually had maybe five minutes with my backpack to put, you know, my, my socks and my underwear and my balaclava and a few other things in my backpack that I needed. And here we go. We headed up the mountain. So yeah, it was, it was like a, oh my gosh, kind of moment. A little bit of a stressful beginning, right? It was a stressful beginning. It was, but you know what? And I called my husband and I said, you know, I, I, I said, I have no backpack and I have no hiking boots and I'm going up a mountain for six days. Like, and he says, you'll just deal with it. Just look at your different options and just deal with it. You can do this. And we did, I did it. So one step at a time, right? Definitely. Definitely. Talk about a roadblock. I mean, it it sounds like, you know, you've already shared a couple of roadblocks with, you know, you have a women's empowerment trip that all of a sudden only has one woman on it and then losing your backpack. But I love what your husband said about, you know, just taking a deep breath, looking at the different options and, and you can just deal with it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Right. Yes. It was very helpful. Sometimes he's a, he's a gem. So I'm personally very curious. Can you tell us a little bit about those six days and kind of just take us on the journey with you through, you know, some of the high points, low points? For sure. Yeah. Okay. So when you go to Kilimanjaro, you have to hire a guide. And so when you hire a guide, they're responsible for getting you up and down the mountain safely. And Mm -hmm. they provide all your food. They provide the tent. They provide, you know, your eating utensils, everything that you need. Right. And so that also comes with a porter, a cook, a waiter, a chef, the guide, the assistant guide, and then one more porter. So there was like seven of us total in our group and then me. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was like, it's like, holy cow. That was like bizarre right off the, from the beginning. So you start at the park gate where all the, the porters and everybody who's going up the mountain, all their gear gets weighed. So they go into a way station And they just line up sort of like you're lined up for a concert, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're lying, everybody's lined up and then they all get their gear weighed because there's legal limits on how much weight a porter is allowed to carry Mm -hmm. just because, you know, they used to back in, back in the olden days, they used to, before there were rules and regulations, they would overload porters with too heavy of, of equipment to get up the mountain. Mm. So now they have weight restrictions. So you have to be careful with your luggage and make sure that, you know, you're not pack overpacking and packing too much because they'll carry your pack up the mountain as well. And I just carried a day pack. So I just carried, mm. you know, the things that I needed for the day and, you know, like any jacket or extra clothing, snacks, they would pack me a lunch for every day on the trail and I would get that in the morning and then we would head off and we would head up the trail. So the first day was very lush, you know, very tropical looking, but after Mm -hmm. that first camp, you would hike up to a camp and then you would spend the night at a different camp each night. And there Mm -hmm. was a sign-in station. So you would go up to the camp, you would sign in at the ranger station 
they would set up your tent for you. Usually before you even got there, your tent and everything was set up for you. They would bring you a snack right away, usually popcorn and tea or coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and they don't have any lightweight stuff like we have here. Like, you know, when you go think of backpacking and camping here, Mm -hmm. everything is like lightweight and, and made out of these awesome metals and plastics that are, you know, convenient and compact. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't have any of that. They have like, you know, the big old style fold up cot chairs and it's just amazing. Some of the things that they carry, they'll carry loaves of bread, you know, 36 eggs in a carton, you know, we would never do that. Right. Uh It's just so, so bizarre and different. And uh, so, yeah, so get up to the mountain, you would camp for the night, they would wake you up in the morning. And then you would your guide would tell you what to expect for the day, they would make recommendations on what to wear, depending on the weather conditions. And then you would set out and hike again for, you know, usually between five and seven miles. And then you're hiking up to elevation too, right? Because you start Mm -hmm. at around two or 3000 feet. But by the end of the let's say five days, you're at 17,000 feet. Mm. And then you're sleeping up at those elevations. So you go, you set up camp, you spend the night, you rest, you relax, you eat, and then you get up in the morning and do it all over again for, Hmm. you know, four or five days in a row. And then summit day is really the hardest because it's a hike in the morning and then you rest all afternoon. And then they tell you to get up and have your dinner. And then Mm -hmm. they say, okay, go back and rest again. And now the wind picked up when we were there. And so it was super, super cold. Like I wore, I think three jackets, two pairs of socks, my ski pants, my gloves, my balaclava, my ski hat, and my hood from my jacket and my hiking boots. Yeah. With my super warm socks. And so anyway, so when I was resting before we attempted summit, he said, my guide, he told me to put all my clothes in my sleeping bag with me so that Mm. they would stay warm because you don't want to put on cold clothes and then try to attempt the summit. So you want Mm -hmm. your clothes and your boots and your socks and your hat and everything to already be warm. So I just kind of cuddled in my blanket and I had a rest or my sleeping bag, pardon me, had a rest for a few more hours. And then we started summit day or summit night at about 11, 1130 at night. And Mm. there's a couple of reasons for doing that. One is the psychological reason for, you know, not seeing how far away it is, right? You just kind of have this obscure place that you're hiking to. You don't really see how far away it is. And I think I'm grateful for that because it, it was hard and it was long. And then the other reason is it's, you know, it's just nice to show up there at, at uh, sunrise time, right? You show up at sunrise, right. you're you attempt to make it to the summit at sunrise. That's the goal. And then Uh I guess one more reason is to, it's because of the wind. The wind is supposed Uh to die down in the evenings and at nighttime. And I've heard of that happening, but that didn't happen to me that night. It was like super windy and super cold the whole time. And, and yeah, it was kind of not, not a fun adventure, but I made it to the top. It was good. And The one big piece of advice that sticks out in my mind that my guide, his name is Ellie, uh, 
that Ellie told me was as you're going up to summit, think of happy thoughts. Like if you have a song that you can sing over and over in your head, or if you have headphones, put on your headphones and play a song over and over. Try to think of the happy uh, times in your life. Mm-hmm. He said, if you, if you, if you start to dwell on any negative things, then that almost stops you from getting and reaching the summit. And hmm. there's a few images that stand out in my mind. And that was, you know, one lady who, and I have no idea if she made it to the summit or not. I'm assuming not just mm-hmm. because of the way she looked when she passed me on the trail. So the images, I was, we made it to the base camp on summit day and I'm standing there at the ranger station and we go there and we sign in the little register to say that we made it to that camp. Right. And so we're, I'm standing there at the camp and there was me and there was another hiker there. And I've ran into this guy a couple of times and we're both kind of standing there watching a few people walk by because base camp is a little bit of a busy place. And so there's some traffic, you know, coming and going. And so he's standing there watching and looking at people and just observing the scene. And then here comes this lady being kind of escorted there were two guides hanging on to both of her arms and kind of helping her down the mountain. She was still walking on her own, but they were definitely escorting her down. And, you know, her hair was like all kind of messy and it looked like she had like the worst cry of her life, I guess. And so they're just helping her down the mountain. I'm assuming going to the ranger station and then probably getting either helicoptered out or, or wheelbarrowed out. However, they get people down the mountain. Helicopter is the best way to go, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, but so that image really sticks with me. It's like, oh, what happened um, to her on the mountain? And I always think of, you know, did, was it the, the mental part of it? Mm-hmm. You know, the mental stamina that, you know, stopped her from reaching her goal or created mm-hmm. a lot of roadblocks to her reaching her goal. And then Mm -hmm. the other image that really sticks in my mind is, you know, there is this, this guy, he was probably in his thirties. I'm, I'm guessing he had a little bit of extra weight on him and he was sitting on a rock, kind of a large rock, like a boulder. He was sitting on this boulder and he was just kind of slumped over and he was all sweaty and he was just resting and catching his breath. And, and so that image really sticks out to me just because you know, it makes me think of someone doing a marathon, but not training for the marathon, right? Mm -hmm. Like they get out, they're in the middle of this marathon and they just can't finish it. So they sit down Mm -hmm. and they rest or they're, they're just exhausted. And so that's how this guy looked to me. And I thought, oh, you poor guy, like you get all the way up here. You're in the middle of the mountain. There's no way to go. Like you could get helicoptered down, but that's expensive, but you really, you're on your own. You have to either Mm -hmm. get all the way up or turn around and go back down. And it's, it's hard, hard work, no matter which way you look at it. So those are two images that really stick out to me, you know, other than the scenery, of course, the scenery was pretty, you know, (laughs) I can imagine those images that you mentioned though. I think they really contrast with Some of the other things that you've been talking about, you know, just getting past roadblocks and and getting to that summit, what what role do you think that 
just the having the spirit of perseverance played in your journey back here, getting ready for the the journey to Kilimanjaro, and then when you were actually on the mountain. Yeah, I think perseverance is taking that goal, whatever you have in mind, and breaking it down into smaller manageable pieces. And then, you know, taking the different pathways to get to that end result or be willing to bend and be flexible and to eventually see it through. Like, you know, if I was so rigid in my quest for Kilimanjaro to be a women's empowerment trip, you know, when I went by myself, it could have stopped there. Like that could have been, you know, the roadblock right there. It's like, urch, you're done. There's a roadblock. But I think perseverance is having that flexibility to be able to bend and contour yourself and, you know, be willing to see that end goal or the ultimate goal and, you know, just taking the steps and the different paths that get you to it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does. It does make sense. And I loved what you said about even when the women decided to not accompany you on the trip, it was still a success in that your goal was about women's empowerment. And because you were out there talking to people, talking about the trip before you left and, and so many had heard about it and you had women who had joined you at least for part of that journey that that itself was a small success point in the overall success of completing the journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like, you know, you said the word completing the journey, right? And it's so interesting Mm -hmm. when I got up to the top, you know, I said to myself, well, actually it was when I came back and someone said, what did you think when you reached the summit? Did you go, Mm -hmm. yeah, I did it. And I said to her, I said, you know, said, I actually said, I'm not done yet. I'm just getting Mm -hmm. started. So I love that. That's like my favorite part Mm -hmm. is like, okay, yeah, I got up to the top and, you know, really getting to the top, actually summiting Kilimanjaro was never really my goal. Just Mm -hmm. being at Kilimanjaro and, you know, having that whole experience, that was the goal. You know, summiting was just you know, the icing on the cake. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, just definitely not finishing yet. Like here we are, what, 18 months later or so, and we're still talking about Kilimanjaro and we're still talking about women's empowerment. And I th- still, it's, it's all part of the journey for sure. And I love it. Love it. Love it. One of the other things that struck me was what you said about how summit day, you know, they, make sure that you can't really see where the summit is yeah. and that, yeah. you know, tell me a little bit about that part of the experience because you are in, you know, dark pitch black, uh-huh. very cold. You mentioned the wind didn't die down for you. So no. I imagine, you know, you have this wind blasting in you in the face. How did you keep going? So one foot in front of the other, you wear a headlamp and you just stare at your guide's feet And Mm. he's leading the way and I'm just stepping almost exactly in his footsteps all the way up. I have no idea where I am. It's pitch black out there. At one point I turned around and I looked down the mountain and I could see like kind of this snake of, of other headlamps down the distance. And it's like, wow, we've come a long ways. And, uh, and it's, and so what was I thinking and how did I get through that? 
you know, it's really, really hard work and it really is a mental game. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about happy things. And so I saw it, I knew I was going to be there for several hours, you know, just one foot in front of the others getting up the mountain there. And so I just started thinking about, you know, every single friend and family member one at a time. And I would, you know, say their name and then I would picture what they looked like. And we, I would imagine different fun things that we did together. And then when I fully explored that person, I, I went off off to the next person and I thought about that next person and just, you know, snake through their life and our intertwinings with each other. And then off to the next person. And I really felt, you know, the, the love and the connection. Like I really think Mm -hmm. my friends and family were thinking about me as I was thinking about them and they were praying and, you know, just really encouraging me to come up the mountain. And so I really think I felt that presence with Mm -hmm. my family and friends. And so I'm so grateful that, you know, I connected with so many people before I left, because I think if I didn't have that connection, if I didn't do the women's empowerment portion of it, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have gotten up the mountain. I really don't. Yeah. It's like they were there with you on the mountain. It sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I really feel that. I strongly believe it. Absolutely. And I, I, you know, I think there's so many parallels to sometimes when we're going through the harder parts of our life, whether it be you know, a global pandemic that we don't know when it's going to end or, you know, other challenges where maybe the finish line isn't quite so clear that we just have to find, find something that we can follow, take a step by step and, you know, bring those that we love along with us. Right. Absolutely. And I think I want to add one thing in there. I think sometimes when we're going through our own personal crisis, you know, Mm -hmm. Like I know I have in the past where I would shut myself off and not say anything or, Mm -hmm. you know, someone would say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. You know, you walk around with that. Oh, I'm fine attitude. But in reality, you know, you're struggling with something or maybe your friends or family are struggling with something and they're just not ready to open up or to share or whatever. And so I think, you know, being more open and sharing really helps us persevere through those difficult, challenging times. Yeah, very true. Very true. Speaking of perseverance, why do you think perseverance is important for leadership? Good question. I think it boils down to doing what you say you're going to do, right? You know, if you're, I think one of the qualities of a good leader is to follow through. If you say Mm -hmm. you're going to do something you know, you need to do it because if you're, if you're in a leadership position and if you, you know, say you're going to do X, but then you just never do it. I remember one time several years ago and I was so frustrated with myself and I would say, oh, I want to send out cards. I want to send out thank you cards, like just something so simple. It's like, oh, so-and-so was so nice to me. I really should send them out a thank you card. Or, you know, this person was so great, said, I really want to recognize that. But then I wouldn't follow through for whatever Mm -hmm. reason. You know, it's my own self-doubt or my own, oh, that's a dumb idea, that sort of stuff. And so eventually now I do it, right? Now I will 
grab out, pull out a card and I'll, I'll write that thank you and I'll put it in the mail or I'll drop it off wherever I need to drop it off. And I follow through with that thought. And I think that's, that's all part of the perseverance, I guess, is following through with what those ideas are and taking action on it. It speaks a lot to, we did an episode in the past about trust and the importance of establishing trust both with those you lead and with yourself. So a commitment like that, like you were speaking about, you know, committing to write those thank you notes is a commitment to yourself too. And having that self-trust is really important as a leader in addition to hopefully having other people trust you as well. Yes. So since we're on the Moms That Lead podcast and we're talking about perseverance, why is it that you think maybe moms are particularly adept at persevering? Because your kids make you get up every morning and do something. <laughs> we get up and we do things and we, we do the things that we need to do to, to get through the day, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes just that in itself is our own perseverance. But, you know, once we start getting, once we start getting enough sleep and <laughs> we have a little bit of time to take care of ourselves, you know, then we can really, really start going and really start dreaming and doing the things that we, that we want to do. And I, I think about, you know, those many days that you might go through, you know, maybe you have a lot going on, maybe you're working outside of the home as well as, you know, trying to manage all your responsibilities. And some of those days are just putting that one foot in front of the other, like you were talking about on the mountain. Absolutely. So what would you say as someone who's been through this journey where you had to get up each day to walk, to make sure you were prepared for the mountain and then persevere while you were on the mountain, what would you say to a mom out there who wants the to develop the character trait of perseverance, what would be your advice for her? For sure. Yeah. So to develop the trait of perseverance, it's really, you know, that one foot in front of the other, that plus one every day. So for example, you know, climbing a mountain is a big endeavor and I had to lose, I had, you know, I wasn't in the greatest shape when I made the declaration to go climb mm-hmm. Kilimanjaro. I was 60 pounds heavier than I am now. I had always been active and I've always been busy and I've always been, you know, someone who enjoys the outdoors and activities and things like that. But I had just, I had put on some weight because, you know, I wasn't doing the self-care that I needed to do. Once I declared I was going to Kilimanjaro, I really had to start putting myself first. So it was little by little, every day, you know, put on those shoes and get out for a walk, whether I felt like it or not. If I heard the words in my head that said, oh, I don't feel like doing it today. Well, then that it's even more important to just put on those shoes and go for five minutes, you know, do something, even just you know, do a 10 minute yoga tape, whatever it is, but do something that day to help push you towards that goal of your, you know, your ultimate goal, whatever that may be. It could be weight loss. It could be a fitness goal. You know, you might want to run a marathon or a 5k. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that 5k is to do those, you know, that start with five minutes and then five minutes every day, plus, plus five, plus five, plus five, plus five, 
you know, adds up. And then eventually you're going to get there where you can do that 5k and then you can do that next event. And then eventually you can, well, you could do a marathon or an Ironman or a Kilimanjaro, whatever it is you have in your sights. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just a matter of, I know it sounds easy when I, when I, put it like that, but it's really, really hard to ignore yourself when you say, I don't feel like it today. And right. you just have to, yeah. you have to ignore it and just get up and do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love the, just put your shoes on and, and go do something. Yeah. Anything. And then after you've accomplished that goal, like, like you, when you came back from the journey to Kilimanjaro, how did that experience then help you to persevere in other challenges that you were accepting in your life? Good question. Having a family and a career, you know, it, it throws different things at you, right? And so just realizing, I think, you know, I think the biggest thing is realizing how you're feeling and what your thoughts do to you. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're mulling over a conversation over and over in your head, like for example, I have older teenage boys. And so mm-hmm. they don't always think the same way that I do. And they don't always <laughs> do the things that I want them to. And so to persevere through their own growth, you know, sometimes you just have to go and meditate for five minutes, or maybe you need to put on your shoes and go for a walk and just, Mm -hmm. you know, take that time to think those thoughts through, you know, and uh, allow them to grow and develop the way that they need to grow and develop. And yeah, sometimes persevering is, is really not doing anything, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, just being patient and, listening and, you know, having heart and caring. Yeah. Is, it, it takes me back to what you were talking about in the, the pathway Yes, that you end up having to choose may not be the original pathway that you thought you were going to choose, but persevering is about stopping, pausing and seeing which pathway is best. Right. You know, redirecting. Right. Well, I'd love to end with a question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, what does it mean to you to be a mom that leads? I think it means to me setting a good example for my kids. You know, Mm -hmm. being a mom is all about having kids, right? And so I want to be a good example for them. And I think it's important for them to, to see me as as a strong person, someone who has an opinion and a life, you know, I Mm -hmm. think some, some moms allow themselves to be pushed around by their kids Mm -hmm. or their family. I see that quite a bit, you know, where they don't have their own stuff going on. And I think it's really important for a mom to have their own stuff going on. You know, it's part of your own self-care. Like I'm sure you have a hobby, right? So, you know, start pursuing that. I think it creates a a fulfilled life and a well-rounded life. And it allows, you know, the children to realize that, you know, mom's not always there 100% of the time. Mom's got her own stuff going on too. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly what I thought when I, you know, when I was saying about Kilimanjaro, you know, the kids are old enough. They can drive to the store. It's okay. I can leave. You know, Mm -hmm. they can, 
They can fend for themselves. And I think that's important for their own growth and development to be able to do stuff on their own too. Right, right. Hopefully you're turning them into leaders. I hope so. Time will Mm -hmm. tell. (laughs) Time will tell. Well, I have so enjoyed having you on and hearing your story. And we will definitely make sure to share more pictures from your journey so that when you're listening to this podcast, you really get a sense of some of the beauty and some of the probably harder parts too that Melanie got to go through on her journey. But if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about the journey that you took, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? They're certainly welcome to email me and- Okay. We'll put it all in the show notes. Yeah, put that in the show notes, uh, my email address, and definitely, you know, connect with me through Facebook or Messenger. That's cool, too. You know, I'm happy to answer any questions and uh, even training plans. If anyone wants a training plan or an equipment list, you know, I'd love to be able to help out any way I can. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I know you're you're passionate about the work that you do at Curves also. Yeah. Anything you want to share about that? Sure. Yeah. So the standard uh, marketing line is Curves is a 30-minute strength training facility specially designed for women. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love the Curves workout. I told my husband when I first started working there, I said, you know, like I said, listen, dude, I work in a place that tells me I'm beautiful and wonderful and fantastic every 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't get much better than that. And so, yeah, I love Curves. It's really about a community of women. They really helped me get up that mountain. Just so much support. You know, I really felt, you know, the love when I was up on the mountain. And Mm -hmm. I love working there and I love working out there. I lost well, almost 70 pounds now. Wow. At the time when I went to Kilimanjaro, it was 60, but I'm, I'm getting closer to 70 pounds of weight loss. And I'm pretty much at my ideal weight now. I'm pretty comfortable where I am mm-hmm. and I'm maintaining my fitness level. I've always said to myself, I want to be fit enough to climb any mountain I want to. And, you know, Curves is definitely, you know, the place for me to be to be able to accomplish that. So it's, it's really a great place. And if anybody wants to check it out, send me a message or uh, look us up on Facebook. We're at Conroe Curves in Conroe, Texas, or we also, my, the owner, she owns another location up in Huntsville. So if anyone's closer to Huntsville, they can go to Huntsville, Texas too. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on to share your journey and it's really inspirational. And I think so much to be learned from the experience that you had, you know, not just about doing the actual trip to Kilimanjaro, but all the lessons that you were able to share through your experience and, and the empowerment that you are doing of women. I love it. Awesome. Thank you. It's been fun, Terry. Wasn't that fun? I felt like I was there with Melanie in the pitch black dark with the freezing wind whipping against my face, just trying to put one foot in front of the other over and over and over again. And there are so many lessons that we can apply to our leadership and New Year's goal setting. Here are my top five. Number one, sometimes you just have to quiet the voice in your head that asks you why you would want to do this. 
Mental stamina is one of the most important parts of perseverance. Number two, there are different pathways up your mountain. You have to overcome different roadblocks. When faced with a roadblock, like losing your hiking boots before climbing one of the world's tallest mountains, look at your different options and deal with it. But know what your summit is. Number three, sometimes the plan to accomplish your goal doesn't take the form that you thought it would. For example, Melanie had a women's empowerment trip planned, but ended up with no women coming on the actual trip. Number four, in hard times, when you lose sight of the summit, find your guide's feet or something that you can follow. Take it step by step and bring those you love along with you. And number five, each summit can be a new beginning. Join us next week as we dig deeper into perseverance and ways that you can develop the character trait as a leader. Our plan after that is to dig into four more character traits that we know are critical for effective leadership. We'll highlight inspiring stories, talk about why moms have an advantage in leading with that trait, and talk about practical steps to develop the trait. And remember, this Friday, January 8th, is the last day to sign up for our training and live coaching session to help you gain clarity on your purpose and set your focus for the year. Check out the show notes at momsthatlead.com forward slash podcast forward slash 31 for the info and to sign up. And as always, until next time, lead with love.